Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. So, in 1970, the crew of Apollo 13 moon flight uh, encountered a major problem, so to speak. An onboard explosion deprived their spacecraft of most of its oxygen supply and electric power. Captain Jim Lovell radioed the Houston base and said the famous words, Houston, we've had a problem here. The phrase is normally misquoted as Houston, we have a problem, as in the movie, but uh, we'll go with that one for now. (laughs) So I was reading some stuff and naturally I come across a pastor who was uh, kind of looking over certain uh, records in his six years as uh, a current minister. And, uh, and over 100 people had passed through his church that attend regularly, at least for that period of time. He said some of them passed away. Obviously, he couldn't do anything about that. Some of them moved away. Some of them were homebound or in nursing homes. Some of them had moved on to other churches. But the overwhelming majority of them had just given up on church. And worst of all, they had, in his mind, walked away from God. Many churches have experienced that same problem. We look around sometimes on Sunday and think if there are more pews with people in them than there are empty ones, that uh, we think we are successful. We're successful as a church. He said, I want you to understand this. Every empty pew pew that you see represents a church member that has walked away. You have family. You have brothers and sisters in Christ who used to fill those spaces. The empty place next to you doesn't represent a lost person. It belongs to someone who has made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. If they, were, if they were still here in his church and sometimes here, this sanctuary wouldn't hold all of them. Like what he said, some had, moved, had to move away. Some had passed. Can you imagine what we could do if all of our inactive members were to become active once more? Just think of all the uh, kingdom work he said that could be accomplished if we had all our brethren actually attending and serving in the church. I know this sounds discouraging, but if we don't address this problem as a church, and I'm not talking about just this church, I'm talking churches, we'll never fix it. Not just that church, not just in that church, but in all churches. The crew of Apollo 13 had an intense, intense desire to land on the moon. When the explosion had happened, they knew that would not be an option. If they ignored the catastrophe and continued on their mission, they would have all died. But they took the proper steps to survive. They realized there was a problem. They called out for help. They received instruction. And they followed those instructions. They made it home alive. 
So we'll be looking at uh, Acts 15, 36 through 41 and 16, 1 through 5 today. And as we get ready for that, let me pray for us. Father, Lord, thank you again for the time that we have together. And we thank you for the word that you've given us to uh, dissect and to ingest and to help it fill our souls, Lord, that uh, we understand who you are. We thank you so much, Lord, that uh, you give us another day on this Sunday again. And uh, as we gather here as, as your people, that uh, we think of those who aren't here for one reason or another, Lord, that we pray for them, that uh, hopefully that they're healthy and that they're not sick. If they are, Lord, that they seek the proper instruction to make, get better, Lord. And we thank you for those who uh, aren't here because of uh, time alone with their families, that they need that, that refreshment, Lord. And uh, we thank you for, again, just allowing us to pray for one another as we gather here, Lord, and we ask that uh, you continue to bring your word through me and, and what you have to say, Lord, and that it is profitable always to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want us to see a problem in churches today and take those steps needed to solve that problem. Let's look at the word of God and consider the thought, church, we have a problem. Paul and Barnabas had planned a trip to go and revisit the churches that had been established over the past year. They both agreed that this was a good thing. But soon, a problem would arise. As we examine our church today, we'll see that problem. Number one, church, we have a problem that involves our people. Jim told me to look around make sure it's there. Verse 36 starts off with this. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted, no, we're not going to take him. (laughs) This problem that I speak of not only involves those who have left the church, but also those who remain. This was the case for Paul and Barnabas and John, Mark as well. Verse 37 again says, Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take them, take with them the one who departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. There are two problems that we see in these verses. A, we have a problem concerning those who have retreated Verse 38 again says, Mark, uh, John Mark had not gone with them to do the work. We find record of John Mark's departure in Acts 13.13. 13. Now when Paul and his party set sail from Pamphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John departed from them, returning, returned to Jerusalem. We're not told exactly why John Mark left the mission. He may have been wary from their travels, He may have been fearful of the dangers that uh, were ahead. I would be. It may have been a combination of all those things. Either way, John, Mark, left Paul and Barnabas and went to his house. There have been brothers and sisters who were once faithful to the mission and for whatever reason, they just left. There have been some members of the church that were on fire for the Lord one week and gone the next Many times we don't know why they left. We just know that they're gone. I know how, I know even some of you may have even felt 
that you had one foot off the door when you heard I was preaching today. <laughs> I know you may be tired. I know you may be weary. I know you may be fearful. But I want to encourage you. Press on. Keep up the good fight. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, To me, come to me all of you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But he didn't say stop. He just said rest. John Mark had been a profitable servant. But how was he idle? But now he was idle. Meant to say. He was no longer on the mission field. He was away from his brothers in Christ. It is possible that his own relationship with Christ suffered. His decision had a negative impact on Paul and Barnabas as well. Don't think that because we are in church, a pew, church pew every day, that or every week, <laughs> for every day, that we are exempt from this problem. There are many who fill a church pew each week and are absent from the battle, as John Mark was. And though we are present in body, some have retreated from the mission. Several problems will occur when you retreat from the mission. First of all, your service to the Lord suffers. God has called you and saved you, and he has plans for you. If you have walked away from the mission, you have walked away from your father. There's no doubt that we seek those opportunities, that uh, there were opportunities like, like we have for John Mark. He gave those up because he left the mission. There were things that needed to be done and people that needed to be preached. If you have left the mission, you are missing opportunities each and every day. Opportunities to serve the Lord. Opportunities to reach others. Opportunities to, ha- to have an external impact. And one day you'll look back on those days of idleness with much regret. Is your service to the Lord suffering today? If it is, it's not your only problem. Good news, huh? Your relationship with the Lord suffers. John Mark did not walk away, just walk away from Paul and Barnabas and the people on the mission field. He walked away from the Lord, like I said. If you have walked away from the mission, if you are no longer serving in this capacity, in the capacity that God has called you to, then there is definitely sin in your life. That sin creates a barrier between you and God. As a result of that barrier, the progress that you and I could and should be making in our spiritual life is hindered. Instead of moving forward, we are moving backward. Things that God would show you, you cannot see. Things that God would tell you, you cannot hear. The blessings that God would give you, you can't receive. Let me assure you, though, as John Mark was away from the mission, he didn't remain stationary. He was going backwards. And if you have abandoned the the Lord's mission in your life, you are not going to stay where you are. In the Christian life, you are either moving forward or going backward. Which direction are we going today? Yes, there are many problems concerning those who have retreated. 
But there is also a problem that arises for those who are still serving. We have a problem concerning those who remain. Verse 38 again said, Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and now had gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. So here we have two men of God who were devoted to the mission. They both desired to move forward in, the pro- in this progress. They were strengthening the brethren. Paul did not think it was a good idea to take John Mark with them, but Barnabas was determined to take him with them. Consider the conflict. We had that word before between Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas had a special interest in John Mark. He was his cousin, after all. There's a great example in Barnabas' uh, reaction. He had compassion on his fallen brother. And in a moment, we will see the great benefits that came from his heart of compassion. But for now, I want to kind of defend Paul a little bit. Many times you'll hear people criticize Paul for not allowing John Mark to go with him. In fact, when I first read this, I thought the same thing myself. Paul was an apostle of the Lord Jesus, of the Lord Jesus Christ. He possessed authority given through him by Jesus. He was responsible for the mission that the Lord had assigned him. His sole purpose in the second mission, uh, missionary journey, was to go back to the churches who had been established and strengthen them. John Mark was not where he needed to be spiritually. He gave up, he abandoned the mission and the other missionaries too. Those who are not where they should be spiritually can and will have a negative impact or influence on the other people around them, the other brethren. Paul may have very well held on to some of that animosity toward John Mark, but his primary motive may not have been to may have been to protect the mission by not allowing him to go along. Surely there have been some people who were once faithful servants in the church. They were once teachers, ushers, greeters, deacons, committee members, singers and witnesses. But somewhere along the way they left the mission. And because of that they were not fit for service. At least in our minds they weren't. I imagine it would have been difficult to trust those who we think abandoned us. When we need a teacher for a new class, they will not be chosen for that position. The worship leader is not going to schedule them to sing a solo. The deacons who left the church years ago and walked away from the Lord will not be present at the next deacons meeting. When nominating committee time comes around, they will not be put on any committees. When there is a need for someone to go make a visit, they are not going to get the call for them to come along. We're not going to put people in place of service that we can't count on. But that's from right here. It's not what God says. We'll see that in a little bit. But when we're not going to use, and, and we're not going to use those people because of their so-called spiritual condition, 
many have a negative impact on others. That's just as true in, in the work environment as well. John Mark's decision to retreat brought about problems for him and for Paul and Barnabas, but at the heart of this problem is the impact that his decision may have had on, that, on the mission. Would it be a distraction? Would it be a hindrance to have him still serving? Let's bring me to the point two. Mission, the church, we have a problem that hinders the mission. Consider the planned mission, verse 36 again. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit a brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. John Mark didn't just leave his brothers. He left the mission. Surely there were some responsibilities that had, that had previously been delegated to John Mark. Now they, Paul and Barnabas, had to pick up the slack. The missionary journey involved a great many people. You will find that Paul's desire was to strengthen the churches, correct? The churches referred to, referred to are those that they had established the previous year. They planned to return to the places like Cyprus, Pamphylia, Sidia, Laconia, Salamis, Salamis, I can't even say it right, Paphos, Perga, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, and Antioch. Sound familiar? Yes, that's where they weren't going to go. And strengthen them. Paul knew that, this, that, that on that vast mission field, there were people who needed to be discipled. There were more lost people who needed to be saved. And if I were to inve- and if I were to invest in them, disciple those disciples, and strengthen them, the, those who were already there were be, would be able to help. They would be able to reach out to more lost people. And the churches have many new when churches have many new converts, they need also to be discipled. We need to save brethren to take we need the saved brethren to save to take the time to help those who need saved. And eventually we'll see that the new converts that they had began to step up and invest in others as well. John Mark was once a part of that process. Discipled discipleship. But he retreated and went back home. There's something to think about. Were you once in the discipleship-making process? Have you abandoned the mission and gone back home? I'm sure that the enemy whispered in John Mark's ear at one point or another and said that he wasn't having an impact. I've heard people say that themselves, like, what good am I doing if I'm no good in the service of the church? He probably felt that Paul and Barnabas didn't need him. So he just left. But he didn't realize that he was having a positive impact. He had a positive impact on the lost, on the new believers, and on his fellow laborers. And whether you believe it or not, you are having a positive impact as well. And when you abandon the mission, you have a negative impact. When you abandon your Sunday school class, it will discourage your teacher who has presented or prepared to teach you. When you abandon church, it will discourage your pastor. 
When you abandon the class you teach, it will impact those children that need to learn about Jesus. When you abandon that job you have agreed to perform, someone else will have to pick up the slack. Usually it's someone who has many other jobs already. When you abandon evangelism, it will impact those lost people that you could have reached. When you abandon the discipleship process, it will impact those new converts who need to be strengthened. I could go on and on, but I won't. You have an impact. The question is, is it a positive or a negative one? Yes, John Mark's decision to retreat was a problem that hindered the mission, and there have been people who have abandoned the mission and have caused a problem as well. But I have some encouraging news. Now for the rest of the story. Point three, church, we have a problem that has a solution. Verse 39 says, again, the contention became so sharp that they, had, they parted from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Take it, my friend, I'm going this way. I know we have addressed some topics today that are somewhat discouraging, but as we look to the, and pay attention, the, the actions of Barnabas, we find that there is hope. Notice how Barnabas responded. In the latter part of verse 9, it says, So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. First we see it kind of like I'm taking him, I'm going away. Mark was Barnabas's cousin, like I said. Mark was more to Barnabas than an associate. He was family. Though we're not privy to the details surrounding John Mark's re- restoration, we do have much evidence of, the, of his being restored to the mission field. The mission, the mission and the missionaries, ultimately his restoration to the Lord. Barnabas saw someone who was hurting and reached out to him. He did what was needed to see John Mark restored to spiritual health and fruitfulness. Notice the result of Barnabas' compassion in in the life of John Mark. On several occasions we find John Mark did return to the missionary field. Colossians 4.10 Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greet you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, and whom you receive instruction, if he comes to you, welcome him. Before, we were kicking him out. Now we want to welcome him. Paul described him as a fellow laborer in Philemon 124. Mark was serving with Timothy in Ephesus when Paul wrote him during his second imprisonment. And we'll talk about Timothy later. Paul describes John Mark as being profitable to the ministry in 2 Timothy 4.11. I can't help but wonder where Mark would be if it had not been for Barnabas' response. I can take it that many of you have been impacted by someone who cared enough to reach out to you when you had some absence of the spirit, so to speak. I've been personally impacted by people who showed me compassion after I retreated from the mission, namely my wife. Notice she's not here today, though. We need to find a church, she said, and serve. We need to be around church people when we first moved up here, is what she said. So back in the spring of 2006, 
she convinced me to attend a weekend to remember, which I did reluctantly. First thing I said to her is, they're going to tell me about Jesus, aren't they? That's what I said. But I did have a realization that, that God was calling me. He was calling me to him. I didn't want her to know that, but I, that's what I felt. During that time together, I stood before a congregation and surrendered to the call. I had not been active in the church and was not being profitable to the kingdom. But almost immediately after finding and attending a church, even after all that, I still felt a little consumed with fear. What do I do? How do I do it? The fear calls, caused me to retreat. But I found encouragement in brothers and sisters that I could talk with. It was there that the Holy Spirit did a great work in my life. I was restored and began to serve in the church and to contribute to the ministry. No kidding, I'm standing up here. All because people cared enough to reach out to me. But the Holy Spirit did the work. But the Lord used people that he cared enough to act, to minister to me. Even some of you may be here and you have abandoned the mission, so to speak. Or at least put a hold on your service. For whatever reason you have walked away or slid away, we need you back. There are lost people to reach. There may be new converts to strengthen. Not necessarily here, but somewhere. And there are other brothers and sisters who are in the same shape that need to be reached. Church, we have a problem. We have a problem that involves people. We have a problem that hinders the mission. We have a problem that has a solution. But we also have a solution that involves others who have heard the call. Verse 40 says, Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God, and he went through Syria and Sicilia and strengthened the churches. Church, God has people in place to help fill the gaps. So after the disagreement, we see others going with Paul and others going with Barnabas, going their own way. But notice it didn't stop the gospel from, being, from reaching further. As a matter of fact, it was increased. Instead of one super team, we got two for the price of one. Even with the split, the message of Jesus was doubled down. More people, were, more people filled gaps. But Paul also had, may have wanted to replace John Mark. Enter Timothy. Let's take a look at Acts 16, verses 1 through 5. Timothy joins Paul and Silas. Verse 1 says, Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. But his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For, all, for they all knew that his father was Greek, 
and they went through the cities. They delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. So here we are. We see Timothy joining with Paul, dream team. His mother was a converted Jew and his father a Greek. He was a convert from the previous mission. Timothy was called by Paul, his beloved son, in, in 1 Corinthians 4.17. But his mother believed way before that and held her household to this belief too, which was befitting Timothy's name, which means God-fearer. Following his father, he was uncircumcised and thus regarded as a Greek instead of a Jew, yet he had been taught the scriptures from, a, from, the child, from early childhood that you can see in 2 Timothy 3.15 by his mother and grandmother. In 2 Timothy 1.5, Eunice and Lois, who they were, they had been converts early on. Timothy was well liked by, by many and many thought well of him. He would be beneficial in the ministry, as Paul thought, due to his knowledge of scripture and good name. You ever felt that? Met somebody and said, you know, this, this person's a good person to be hanging around with. I might benefit from them. Pretty sure somebody else would too. Church, sometimes you have to walk to walk to talk to talk. It is said, we as Christians need to be less hypocritical in our daily life. When I last spoke, I mentioned how we need to be able to show our faith in our speech and our mannerisms, how we represent God in our lives. Would anyone see a Christian in our attitude or our actions? Remember that we should be dead for some of the ways we act. How then could we help encourage the lost to repent of their ways and turn their life over to Jesus when we ourselves are not well representing? Sure, we can have some scripture knowledge and have a kind heart, but for what reason? To show off and give praise of one another rather than to the one who actually does, deserves the credit, Jesus and his spirit. No, we need to be a reflection of him. And, do, and to do so, we may, we may need to change some of the things in our lifestyle or even the company that we keep. This was kind of the point with Timothy. Paul would need to travel to each city and deliver the message in the synagogues first, to the Jew first and the Greek, right? How then would they be received if one of them was not, wasn't even circumcised? He wasn't a circumcised Jew. Really, it wouldn't hold much water to those Jews who would not even be given the time of day if they knew Timothy wasn't at least circumcised. Apparently it worked out, and I mean, God does know what he's doing after all. They delivered the decrees and statutes that was set in place to the churches, and guess what happened? The churches increased. They had more people believe and encourage those who needed it and set the ones, that, set the ones straight that were slightly off path. And they did this daily. They did this because God let them, led them and directed them. 
even when, when there seemed to be a rift between them, they encouraged those that they cared about. They cared about the church, about those who abandoned them and those who needed them. Not just to fill the seats, but to add to the mission. So, what is this? It's a lemon. It's one of God's creations, right? Much like the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, he is that. He's the epitome of that. But if I were to share this lemon with you, I can't just throw it at you. I'd hit you in the head. I need to do something with this thing. I'm on Will's cooking show here. And by the, <laughs> and by the power of TV. I needed to split it. Okay? In some cases, you can share this with somebody and they will just eat it just straight out as it is. Tart, to the point, get you that little tingly feeling. <laughs> but others don't necessarily like to eat it like that. They might need to add a little to water. I don't get it all over the place. In doing so, they're, we would think they're watering it down a little bit. Yeah, but they're still hearing the word of God. Some may need a little sugar on top of that. But in doing so, we might think, you're sugarcoating it, Will. Why are you doing that? We need to know who our audience is. Now, when life gives you lemons, <laughs> you make some lemon water. <laughs> but reality is this. No matter where you go, no matter who you meet, sharing the gospel is the importance Sharing them with people who need them, need to hear this thing. Those who used to fill the seats need to hear the word again. They need to be encouraged. They need to enjoy the word of God. We need to make it profitable. No matter where you go, like I said, or where God leads you, do it for God's sake. Not your own gratification. We need to walk the walk. But how we do that is showing the love that God gave us. We're not going to beat them down because they're not sitting in church with you. We want to know why. We're not going to throw the book at them, so to speak. We want to share it with them. You might need to water it down a little bit. In some cases, you might need to give it straight to them. I want to leave you with a challenge. Look around this assembly. Look around even in your church directory. Look at your Sunday school class. Look at your pew. We don't have pews, we have chairs. Look in your homes. Look in your school. Look in your workplace. And find a John Mark. When you find that person, be a Barnabas to them. Be a Paul and see in them what God sees in them. Help them believe. Help them if they are discouraged. Help them see they have a positive impact where they are truly involved. Don't let them just walk away. They just might be 
of use in the missionary field. They might be of use to God. Otherwise, you wouldn't be talking to them. Let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you again for this time and this opportunity to, uh, again, just deliver what you have, Lord. And, and we thank you so much for loving us, that you gave us your son, Lord, and that uh, with him, all things are possible. The negative goes away, the positive remains, Lord, and we thank you always for loving us each and every moment. We ask that you be with us as we go through our daily lives, continue on through work and school, that we again show you, show, show through us who you are. Lord, we pray that uh, again you watch over us as we travel home this evening, this afternoon and the end of this evening. And Lord, we thank you so much for again another work week, another time week that we are able to spend in your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.